Hey, so how's it going? It is going. It is, let's see, one, two, three days till Christmas. Well, yes, it is. Or it will be tomorrow morning, three days till Christmas. Yeah, when this episode goes live. Close enough, yes. Um, so yeah, we are, we're getting there. Um, I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> um, well, would you like to know a fun story, Erin? I would. So my little boy does this adorable thing mm-hmm. where his brain- Everything? Makes, well, everything. Mm-hmm. His brain makes these very casual shifts in like- understanding a phrase until he's created a completely new phrase. So for instance, I took him to the dentist a couple of weeks ago and told him when he was finished, he was going to get to go to the prize machine. And he went from prize machine to present machine to machine present to washing machine present. And then he asked the dentist when he got to go to the washing machine present, which when you get to see the little shifts is really funny to then mm-hmm. watch the dentist have to sort through what the hell that kid is trying to say. Mm-hmm. It's less adorable when that child makes some kind of shift that I don't get from commode to parade and tells his preschool teacher that I like to pee in the parade. <laughs> Which did in fact happen last week. You peed in the parade? Uh, no, I just, that's what he told his teacher. Oh, I was like, wait, you you did no, it? No, uh-uh, no. Okay. My um, daddy pees in the parade. <laughs> so that reminds me of a funny story. When I was little, um, one morning I was, and this will show you how Texan I am as well. One morning I was sitting in front of the refrigerator screaming about poor pillows. And my mom was like, <laughs> what the fuck is she talking about? I was screaming. Anytime anyone opened the refrigerator, I'd be like, poor pillows, poor pillows, poor pillows. I wanted tortillas. Uh-huh. Yep. Not surprised at all. Mm-hmm. When you started this story and you're like, just how Texan I am. And then you're like, I was sitting and I was like in a field of blue bonnets, <laughs> looking at a single mockingbird. Outside of Bucky's. <laughs> <laughs> Out of Bucky's, looking at the stars at night that were both big, big and bright. And bright. <laughs> Deep in the heart of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) While the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders making the team was behind you doing a kick line. (laughs) On the Jerry Jones sponsored big screen. (laughs) Oh, man. We've just lost half of our listenership because they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? (laughs) Well, welcome to our Christmas episode. Welcome to our Christmas episode. Also, congratulations on surviving this year. Yeah, we did it. Almost. I don't know how. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll we'll get to it in my movie. Um I'm not like I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I'm not feeling it this year. I'm so ready for it to be over. I want to put all this shit away. I want to. That is so unlike you. Even last year when you were a little burned out, you were not this burned out. I know. I am burnt out. It is really bad. So I am just ready for some time off. I am ready for Christmas to be over. I just want to get some rest. (laughs) I understand. Um, Well, if you would like to drive eight hours 
then you are welcome to come to my family Christmas where the talk of the town will be who said something racist first that I kicked them out or um, how I either suck because I quit my job or suck because I got a master's degree that I don't use or suck because I just suck. So please come on. Um, I can do all of that at home. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> but thanks. Um, <laughs> just, you're invited. I appreciate it. Well, what else is happening? Anything? Um, man, I had something that I intentionally didn't tell you about so I could tell you for the first time. Oh, no. And then I didn't tell you. Like, so I didn't write it down or anything. <laughs> It'll come to me in the middle of your half of the episode tonight. Probably. Um, what I will say, Aaron, is my movie was so good that I watched it twice yesterday. My movie was absolute garbage. <laughs> when I saw which one you were doing, I was like, oh, no. Because I almost picked that one and I just couldn't. I was really excited because I really like wine. Right. If wine cannot redeem this movie, you know it's bad. Did you know? You didn't, so I'm telling you. The first time I ever had wine that I liked was an ice wine that I bought on our honeymoon in Niagara Falls. Really? I've never had ice wine. I assume that I won't like it because it's dessert wine and I don't like overly sweet wine. Yeah, it's very sweet. Um, it's like, I don't like ports either. I just, I can't, I don't do dessert wine. So I don't like ports or any of that. Like, um, I really, Rieslings even are too sweet for me, but like Moscato's and all that. So I can't drink that. Sand, I'm, I'm more on the Moscato side, Mm -hmm. but ice wine. I don't know that I would enjoy today because I have finally like refined my palate a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um, Yes, I will always kind of love an ice wine because Sarah and I could afford exactly one fancy dinner on our honeymoon. I mean, we got, it's not a secret. We got married super young. We were fresh out of college. We couldn't even, we weren't even old enough to rent a car. So we walked all around Niagara Falls. Oh my gosh. We had say, we had enough money to take a taxi from the airport to our hotel Mm-hmm. And then back to the airport when we were done. And then I had one more round of taxi ride to go out to Niagara on the lake to see a play that we wanted uh-huh. to see. And other than that, we couldn't even afford transportation places. So we walked everywhere. <laughs> like sometimes I think, well, and we were going too far. 10th anniversary this year, we were going to go back to Niagara Falls and do it up like yeah. with, with adult money. And then COVID closed the province down again. Yeah. So one day, but I think that having like that will always be a very special memory. Anytime I see ice wine, like I will never need to drink it again, but I will always Mm -hmm. think I love ice wine because of all those very fun memories attached to it. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, well, I guess we'll just get right into it. I watched an ice wine Christmas. I'm Paul. This is Lifetime Sentence. Oh, I'm Aaron. Yeah, this is <laughs> Lifetime Sentence. Um, and you watched an Ice Wine Christmas. Tell me all about it. I did it. watch an Ice Wine Christmas. 
It stars uh, Rosalind Sanchez or Rosalind. Um, she plays Camila. Um, she is from Active Valor, Rush Hour 2, Without a Trace, Death of a Vegas Showgirl. That's another Lifetime joint. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And Devious Maids, the show that was on Lifetime for a while. Oh, yeah. That was the... Um... Hold on, and I'll tell you her name. She was a desperate housewife. It was her vehicle after she left Desperate Housewife. Eva um, Longoria. Yes, Eva Longoria's thing. Hold on. Is your um, elf on the shelf staring at you again? <laughs> yeah. No, my microphone turned itself off. Oh. Okay. And it stars Lyric Bent. He plays Declan. He is from Acrimony. She's got a habit, the Book of Negroes, and Saw Four. And he is a good-looking man. Yes, he is. Oh my goodness! Oof. Oh, here's what I was going to tell you. Oh, a good-looking man. This is what triggered it. Thank you. I I tried to watch the new Lifetime movie starring my one true first love, Mario Lopez. Mm-hmm. I've never been more disappointed in a made-for-TV movie than in Holiday in Santa Fe. I was so sad. Even Mario Lopez couldn't save it. I was like, I could just stare at you this whole movie and really? somehow it's still bad. Didn't you watch Felice Navidad last year? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. Thank God. <laughs> oh, I thought you did. I thought that's what you covered for our show. No, last year I covered um something about a rich guy in a schedule and it had all the same people from the one the year before <laughs> i'll remember it while we're talking oh, oh actually felice Navi dad was not that bad but the title left a lot to be desired uh, okay so in the mario lopez they passed a <laughs> they passed a tanning salon called felice Navi tan There you go. (laughs) Okay. We open with a group of people celebrating a proposal. The owner of the restaurant they're in, maybe, serves them ice wine to celebrate and explains that it's wine made from grapes that are frozen on the vine. And ah, her name is Camila, and she is our main character, and she is a sommelier, not not an owner. Okay. The ice wine is from her godfather's winery and that's how she knows all about wine apparently ice wine is from upstate new york i was like okay um camila invites the couple to come volunteer to help pick grapes which they can only do when it's 17 degrees or colder outside in the middle of the night and i was like "Ooh, hard pass yeah ice wine is super expensive because of that it has to be picked in the first frost or else then it's all dead like The ice wine, my total wine is only $20. I wouldn't trust it. I told you I wasn't going to drink it anyway. (laughs) I just just looked it up to see if they had it. Yeah. Um, um, Camila's boss offers her a position as the head sommelier over all of his restaurants. This is confusing to me because how is she going to be in all of his restaurants at one time to do her job? Hold on. I would like to answer this question about your wine, but there's somebody in Yonkers that needs this answered first. Which since they're in Philly, that's a long way to go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, 
goodness. Anyways, um, then he makes her promise to still answer his calls even when she's on vacation. And so she heads home to the vineyard. And I was like, oh, immediate no, I'm not taking your promotion if I have to answer your calls while I'm on vacation. Right, that's called exploitation. Bye. Mm, yeah. Haven't you ever heard of the great resignation, sir? <laughs> she goes to the vineyard to see her godfather who tells her he's going to start going back and forth between New York and Florida. He's like, I want to be a snowbird. Um, and so he's like, and so I pass off Christmas festival planning to a committee. And also just FYI, they didn't like the bell tower this year because the bell broke and they didn't want to draw attention to it. And Camila's like, what the hell? She's all mad. She drives to town. Okay. She sees a man dancing around in the cold with no coat on looking very cold and lost. That's why he's dancing. Cause he's cold. Not cause he's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is his annual snow dance. Like that's <laughs> how he makes the snow come. He needs that ice wine. Mm-hmm. He's a competing vineyard. I'm writing a new lifetime movie now. <laughs> it probably would be better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so this is why you don't have any Christmas spirit because you, <laughs> You watched this movie. Okay, I get it now. I mean, to be fair, I could I could talk about the Tyler Hines and Bethany Joyland's Hallmark movie from this year for hours or single all the way from Netflix. So I, there's definitely yeah. other movies that are much, much better. Um, anyways, Camila's like, are you lost? <laughs> and she he says he's never been there before and he had planned to buy warmer clothes when he arrived, but the shops were all closed. And I was like, why wouldn't you just pack your clothes because, that you already own because <laughs> he took advice from anna on how to pack for a trip um and he's like oh i'm looking for sunny's diner and i'm lost and she's like oh well of course you're lost they changed the name during the winter to snowman what the <laughs> we don't need any of that fucking sun around you. here <laughs> They go over to the diner and meet Camila's whole family. It turns out Declan is doing work on the vineyard. He is there to advise them on how to automate the ice wine process so they can make ice wine year round. Okay. Um, Camila is not impressed. Um, I'm not either. It gets awkward, but they all clink mugs anyway and pretend that it's not. Um, After dinner, Camila and her sister go for a walk and her sister confesses that, um, yeah, they want to make wine all year round. And Camila's like, oh, my God, I'm appalled and upset. And we call this wine Christmas in a bottle. What are we going to do when we're making it in the spring? Huh, Beth? What are we going to do? She's like, we can only serve this when it's snowman fucking diner. Um, so the next morning, Camila runs into Declan getting soil samples to predict the harvest state, but she's like, oh, you're doing that wrong. And also automation is terrible and I hate you. And then she's like, I'm going to pull your hair and run back to my seesaw where my friends are. So (laughs) (laughs) she tells him that the vines respond to Christmas spirit. Which one? The good so past? To set up where we're going to go with this, this entire movie is predicated on magic versus science. 
Oh God. And this is where the problem lies. Okay. Um, so he tells her he doesn't understand why Christmas is such a big deal. And she's like, um, well, if you're going to decide the future of this winery, you have to see how important Christmas is to the vineyard. And so I'm going to be your Christmas guide and I can, I'm going to show you all the old fashioned holiday things that go on around here. And that's the ice wine X factor and how it could never be replaced in automation because automation is terrible. This is okay. So this is essentially the same story as the one I did two years ago with the pie. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they go for a tour of winery of the winery with Henry, the owner, while the first Noel plays the entire winery is decked out for the holidays, except the Christmas tree, which is still bare. So of course, the whole family has to decorate the, they have the decorating montage. You know? I was going to say there has to be decorating montage because I had one too. While they do, Declan challenges Camila to a taste test where she will have to tell the difference between ice wine made naturally and the kind that uses a machine to freeze the grapes. She's like, okay, is- cool. Hold on. And she comes out with like her magic wand and <laughs> <laughs> what's well, that thing that you use on a Ouija board? Um, the, is that the word? Yeah. The planchette. The planchette. I'm confused as to why he's challenging a sommelier to a wine tasting <laughs> test. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um. So as it turns out, Camila's sister is having a really hard time figuring out how to run the winery, keep all the traditions alive, keep the equipment working, deal with Christmas, and also the fact that she really wants to start a family. Um, Camila talks to her about how basically they should keep everything the same and never change anything. Um, Also magic. Bye. So after they talk, she goes to pick up her laptop before the Christmas committee meeting because she made a PowerPoint to show the committee. After okay. she leaves, though, her whole family makes fun of her because moving to the big city, I guess, turned her on to PowerPoint. <laughs> the guy literally says, oh, that's that big city living. Like, you have got to be kidding me. She's 27 years behind and they're like fucking New York trash. <laughs> Turns out her committee is foreign members and they usually play bridge or mahjong. (laughs) Um, Camila wants to do the festival like they used to back when she was a kid. She shows her two slide PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) And the committee is on board, but um, great. Um, Camila takes Declan to get decorations for the festival. He tells her that he can't find any past data on predicting the harvest. And she's like, well, duh, because of the magic and the talking to the vines and Henry being a psychic. And I wrote, am I just in a really bad mood or is it she really exhausting? Um, First part is, is you know, that somehow they wind up together in the end. Mm -hmm. Like somehow science dude is going to be like, oh, you're right. There is magic. And she's going to be like, I love your cogs. Yeah. Okay. No. Science dude is wrong. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I'm leaving. Just text me when you're finished with your half of the episode so I can come back. So Declan explains 
explains all the magic back to her in science talk. And I realized the here that maybe I'm losing my Christmas spirit because I'm so sick of people denying science. And this is definitely something I'm going to talk to my therapist about how anti-vaxxers have ruined Christmas. Um, yes, I'm here for it. I can't. I literally, and I did talk to my therapist about this today because I took these notes last night. I cannot enjoy someone de- denying science. I can't even suspend possibility for um, a Christmas movie anymore because it's so prevalent in everyday life. Right. And I, I never listen to shows that cover the same movie that we're going to before we cover it. But I did um, deck the hallmark and uh, Patrick Miguel did a episode on this movie. And I listened to part of it just to see if they were catching the same vibes that I was. Okay. And they were. So this is not, it's not just me. This is very heavy on the science denial. Okay. So, but like in the end, they're the, the moralist science, bad magic, good. Because like, have you heard the, um, controversy with the new my little pony on netflix no Uh, basically my little pony came after all conservatives and it's phenomenal but like i will send you an article and i'll link in our show notes this article that i read about how it is so controversial in the best way I just, in the times that we're in, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but in the times that we're in, I think a movie where in the end, the magic is right and the science is wrong was maybe not the message to send this year right for Christmas. Um, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> the family and Declan decorate the vines which, with lights, which seems like something you shouldn't do to vines that are no you have to how else are they going to see the ghost of christmas present i mean spirit of christmas Um, uh, camilla declan and henry chat later and camilla again complains about how automating the freezing of the grapes will ruin the magic of the wine and she needs to fucking chill um it's time for the blind taste test and this dude whips out a satin blindfold and i was like oh this could get really interesting right (laughs) home dude didn't bring warm enough clothes but he brought with him a satin blindfold blindfold yeah okay Mm -hmm. mr gray yeah (laughs) oh gosh um so she won't even taste the first one she smells it she's like it's fake um, the second one is from their winery. So she's like, oh, this is ours. And I'm like, why did you put that in there? Um, uh, the third one she predicts is real. The last one she says is fake. It turns out she's correct across the board. I don't know. Maybe because that's her job. Right. <laughs> it would be like lining up four violinists for me with my eyes closed. and would be like, can you tell which two of these are children? <laughs> interrupts them to thank Declan for welding the fence which gives Camila an idea 
She brings Declan to the committee meeting later, and they're finally getting things done. She wants to decorate the bell tower, and since Declan knows how to weld, he can totally fix the bell. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, they're in Philadelphia, right? Well, no, now they're in New York. Oh, now they're back in New York. Okay. Not the Liberty Bell. <laughs> he already fixed the Liberty Bell, so he's on to a new project. So they just need the key to get up there. And Eileen, this little committee member lady who's been sleeping basically the whole time, she's like, oh, I have a gentleman friend who's on the city council. We used to be very close. And if he wants to be close again, he'll give me the key. And I was like, the sequel to this movie better be all about Eileen. Right? Eileen is way more interesting than anybody else in this movie. <laughs> I like how Eileen is like, oh, we're fixing a fucking bell. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, Camila and Declan go for a walk and talk about her dad, who died shortly after they came from Puerto Rico. Um, uh, Declan starts talking about his Damn it. Sorry, there's an Amber Alert. It's really bad. Um, <laughs> Damn it, there's a fucking Amber Alert. No, it's been like my watch has been going off all day. It's really no, sad. I know that it's sad. Like I said, it was just like it was inconvenient for it to be going off for you right now. <laughs> no, it's not. I just, it makes me sad. To hear it is very it. sad. They're searching for her in dumpsters right now. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Um, so. Declan starts talking about his childhood Christmases, which were spent traveling, which sounds like the best Christmas ever. Um, anyways, he starts naming places he's been, but I can't pay attention because they're just standing in front of a giant Maybelline Great Lash poster that somehow belongs on this light post that they're standing in front of. <laughs> there was a product placement in mind that I'm going to point out too that made me laugh. Camila's sister complains some more about how stressful everything has been. And Camila's like, you know what? The key to saving the winery is not accurately predicting the harvest without Henry. It's getting Henry to stay in New York where he doesn't want to stay. Um, they also finally get the key and go check out the bell tower. They talk about another wine festival and how badly Camila wants to go. But it turns out Declan can fix the bell. Yay! Um, the bell is part of the ice wine tradition. Back in the day when it would finally get down to 17 degrees, they would ring the bell and the whole town would go pick grapes. And I was like, this sounds like the worst town ever. <laughs> I would move the fuck away ASAP. Uh-huh. Also, I just want to point out the name of this town in this movie is Evergreen. And if you are going to name a town Evergreen in a Christmas movie and it's not as fucking magical as the Christmas in Evergreen town, you're wrong. Right? You're just wrong. You can't do it. Also, if the whole town leaves to go pick grapes, you know that one fucking douchebag sees this as the purge and just goes in and robs everyone blind while everyone's picking fucking grapes. No, this is a Christmas movie. There is no asshole. But this is lifetime sentence where all we deal with is assholes. It's true. Um... So while she's explaining this to him, Camila's boss calls and she doesn't answer the phone. She goes to get Coco with Declan instead. And then and then she goes to talk to the the grapevines like you do. Hey, Viney Vine, what's up? 
Listen, I was just on a date. It was real cute. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> I think he's in love with me. You think he's in love with me, too? Grow a grape real fast. Grow. Grow one. <laughs> Finds her here talking to the boss. Shh, shh, don't grow a grape. Act chill, act chill. Cool the fuck down. <laughs> Sheila, you're embarrassing me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so I lost my place. <laughs> oh, she talks to him instead about how she's torn about the promotion. And he's like, well, it's something you'll just know in your gut. You'll be able to figure it out. I was like, wow, that was a great <laughs> See, and if I were Declan, I'd be like, well, why don't you ask a wishing well or something? Like, I would be such an asshole about this magic fucking bullshit. They go to the silent auction where Camila continues to guilt Henry into staying in New York. Um, Declan bids on and wins a dinner made by Camila's mother with curated wines by Camila because he wants to spend more time with her. With that satin blindfold. He's mm-hmm. got he's got fuzzy handcuffs in his black pocket. No one's seen his back pocket. <laughs> back pocket. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um The next, wait. I'd like to say, I'm not yucking anybody's yum. Do what you want. (laughs) I just find this movie wholly ridiculous. It is is absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so he tells her that his parents invited him to Paris for Christmas, but the people here are going to be hard to leave. What? (laughs) The next day, the festival planning committee meeting, Camila's sister interrupts because Declan has finally made his prediction his scientific prediction for the harvest. It's okay. the night of the festival, which has always been Henry's dream, but has never happened before. So now they have to figure out the logistics. Um, there's so much to do. And uh-oh, Camila thinks Declan is wrong because of the magic. <laughs> Her sister's like, no, I'm going with the science. Um, and De- like what Declan says, and Camila's like, um, all right. But then she goes to confront Declan about the fact that she thinks his prediction is wrong, and they get into an argument. Um, she insists that the signs are not there. We'll get to the signs in a little bit. Um I've only referenced the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present so far. So I've not heard of ghost of Christmases yet to come. So we're not ready for the freeze yet. She says she understands eventually, even though she doesn't like it. And says all the work he's done on the bell tower is beautiful. So like they're like fighting and she's like, okay, but like, okay, you decorated this bell tower. Super nice. So thanks. Henry (laughs) calls Camila saying he needs her. So she runs off. She tells Declan, she's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just nervous because there's so much at stake. And she goes to see Henry and they go for a walk and talk about the harvest. Henry tells her to be open about things. 
Um, and then it's the night of Declan's auction dinner. She meets a, up with her mom who prepared dinner um, and they admire the lights on the bell tower together. She tells her mom about the promotion. Who's like, well, that's wonderful if that's what you want. Um, and they're talking again when Declan shows up and they head off to dinner, which turns out to be a picnic in the winery. They eat and talk about wine and all of Declan's travels. And he assures her that if he thought the harvest prediction was wrong, he would tell her. He's like, can you please just trust me? So she's like, fine, I'll trust you. Um, the next day, Camila's mom is signing up volunteers to uh, pick grapes at the festival. And everyone wants to volunteer. So like they're in great shape. Later, um, that evening, they paint ornaments, the family does. Um, and Camila and her sister talk again about how she wants to have a baby, but she doesn't want to bring it up because she's too nervous about work-life balance. And Camila's like, oh, well, magic. And also, maybe you should talk to your husband about this. And, <laughs> and Beth, her sister, is like, well, maybe you should admit that you like Declan. And then they, like, push each other on the bench and walk away. <laughs> I'm convinced that this movie was written by fifth graders who have heard of wine but never actually drank it. <laughs> so uh, later that evening, Declan, Camila, and Henry sit around drinking hot chocolate. Henry goes to bed, leaving them alone, and Declan talks about his new appreciation of Christmas music and asks Camila to dance with him. Dancing to Christmas music is such a trope in these movies. And so I have to give Camila credit for at least saying that people don't actually dance to Christmas movie music before she gives in and actually dances them. You, you mean you've never had a romantic sway to, oh, holy night? No, and at least this one was like a secular song. It was not <laughs> a, like a... Because like... Hallmark will straight up play oh, a little yeah. town of Bethlehem and a couple will be like, oh my God. This it's is our, our song. song. <laughs> that has happened so many times on Hallmark and my damn microphone just switched. But I'm just going to keep talking. Um, so I lost my spot. The next morning, Camila's all happy walking through the winery when she overhears a conversation between Beth and Henry and Declan. Um, and basically, it's like uh, um, they're talking about the automation and um, all the stuff they have to do um, like to get to the automation. And so Beth, uh, Camila overhears them. She's really upset for reasons I don't understand. Um, since that's the whole reason Declan is there in the first place. <laughs> um, so she goes to the snowman, snowman diner to eat her feelings and talk to her mom. She asks if she's wrong about everything. And I yell, yes, at my TV. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, her mom is more tactful um, and say, says that her strong opinions come from a place of love. She then asks if Camila is unhappy in Philadelphia, and I scream, yes, at my TV again, but nobody ever listens to me in these movies. Um, Camila's like, I don't know, and her mom's like, you know, I know you'll do whatever it takes to do what needs to be done, and I was like, the, the advice in this movie is awful, <laughs> really bad. Follow your heart and do what needs to be done. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Fine. <laughs> 
her sister who kind of blows her off. She asks where Declan is and she's like, oh, he's busy with Henry. So um, I guess Camila is like all lonely and sad and all by herself. Um, It's finally the festival time. Declan rings the bell and everyone is walking around drinking wine, all excited. Camila's running the wine stand. Everyone loves the festival and is having a wonderful time. So Camila decides it's the perfect time to hunt Declan down and hassle him about what is happening with the winery without telling him that that's what she's doing. So she just ends up opening it, asking him a bunch of open-ended questions. Like, I thought we were friends. I thought we were connecting. And then you go and do, you do this and you don't even tell me about it. And Declan's like, what? What happened? Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have whiplash. What is going on? Yeah. He's like, I'm not keeping anything from you. And she's like, you know what? Fine. We'll talk tomorrow. And she storms off. Um, it's not 17 degrees yet, which is good because absolutely no one in this movie is wearing a hat, but it's bad because they can't pick the grapes yet. After the festival, Camila goes down, goes out to the vines to talk to them again and tell them that she doesn't mind being wrong as long as it gets cold enough to pick the grapes that night. Then she goes inside and falls asleep. She wakes up to her sister screaming, no, no, no. (laughs) It's 28 degrees outside. The frost didn't come. I don't understand the problem. Like, aside from the fact that they have the volunteers and it's too warm, you're just going to, like, you're just going to wait. You're, right. you're just going to wait anyways. Right. But they all sit under the gazebo and complain. Declan apologizes for being wrong. Camila and I are finally on the same page. Like, the freeze is going to come, you guys. Um, but Beth and Henry are still mad. They go off to talk to the volunteers, leaving Camila and Declan alone. Declan is like, well, I should have been less focused on Christmas and more focused on my job. And, um, and of course, this pisses Camila off. She's like, oh, so you're blaming me? You're saying it's my fault? And, <laughs> and so now everyone feels sufficiently terrible. And so Declan asks what they're going to do about um, the two of them. And she's like, well, you're going back to Paris and I'm going to Philly to take my promotion we're on different life paths. This could never work. It's just a misconnection. You can't even tell me the truth about the fact that you're going to automate the entire winery, even though that's not what I want. And Declan's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, he's like, no, we're going to plant apple trees and automate that so we can make ice cider and ice wine. And I just wrote, what the fuck is ice cider? <laughs> You know, everyone's favorite. Camila is floored by this brilliant idea of something that I've never, ever heard of. (laughs) And now Declan is mad at her for not trusting him. So Camila heads back out to the vineyard to talk to the grapes about how dumb she is. It's a real thing. It's the apple version of ice wine. Interesting. I just looked it up. So Camila goes back to talk to the grapes about how dumb she's been this whole time. And on the ground, she finds a bunch of feathers. And she's like, oh, my God. The signs. <laughs> so there's, then, there's Christmas yet to come. I knew it was coming. So then she tastes the soil and it tastes fine. So she's like, it's time for the harvest. Uh-uh. <laughs> and she goes running back into the house. Um, and she- I wish everyone could have seen the crazy <laughs> arms that you just did. <laughs> it was fucking wild. Uh, so she's like, okay. I'm going to go. She goes and tells, she's like, the harvest is going to be on Christmas because of the feathers and the soil tasting the tingly. And they're like, Camila's 
please stop eating the dirt. (laughs) Um, But Henry's like, oh, there's no harm in keeping the volunteers a few extra days. But Beth is like, oh, actually, I already sent them home. Perfect. She's like, well, people should be with their families and not waiting to volunteer to pick grapes. And I was like, I understand, but also, and I've been on her side this whole time, but if you don't want people waiting for you on Christmas to say you need to pick grapes, maybe you should change your business structure that relies on volunteers to pick grapes on Christmas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to cheer up, they all sit around the table and do Christmas crackers. Um, Declan makes a toast, thanking Henry and everyone for the hospitality while he was there, but he's leaving the next morning, Christmas morning, to go to Paris. But he promises to carry their tradition wherever he goes. Okay. Everyone leaves. I have a question. (laughs) What is the point of taking an intercontinental flight on Christmas day to meet your family for Christmas? Christmas is going to be over, dude. Because if he left the next, if he left the day, this day, then he wouldn't have been here when the just wait <laughs> damn it Tired of having to explain myself to you <laughs> oh god okay so everyone leaves but Camila she stays to wait for the frost she and Declan sit by the window and wait um, they make their apologies she's like thanks for staying with me and he's like well actually I'm just staying in this house but uh, thanks for thanking me um, <laughs> he's like you're literally on my fucking bed <laughs> She lies down while he keeps watch and, watch and he whispers under his breath, we don't have to be in this connection. I guess Declan also falls asleep at some point because he wakes up to Camilla screaming that the frost is happening. And I was like, this family screams way too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Henry runs downstairs and they all hug and jump around and everyone rushes to get everything together and Camila's like, uh, Declan, you're going to miss your flight. And he's like, fuck the flight. This is what it's happening. I'm not going anywhere. Um, so Henry is like, what are we going to do? Because we send everyone home. And so Camila runs to the bell tower, starts ringing the bell to wake people up. She finally put on some earmuffs though. So good for her. Um, at first, no one comes, but this is a Christmas movie. So soon enough, people start coming out and heading to the farm. They pass out baskets and everyone gets to work. Camila and Beth make up. When the harvest is over, Henry sings Deck the Halls and everyone claps. All the grapes have been picked and now they can make ice wine. Yay! Yay! Henry says the harvest would have never happened without Beth, Camila, and Declan. And so Henry has decided he's going to give all three of them the winery. And Beth is like, we can't take that from you. And he's like, well, it's kind of rude to refuse a Christmas gift in front of the giver, so suck on that that's that's the new rule he officially asks camila and declan to stay and partner with beth and tells them to think about it for the day they head to the diner for breakfast and cocoa camila goes and finds declan in the bell tower they dance together again and camila says that she wants to stay but she can't stay without him and she's like she starts listing all the reasons and finally he cuts her off with a kiss and says he's also going to stay they kiss some more and Declan picks her up and twirls her around. And that is the end of this movie. Already? Man, it feels like it just started three years ago. I don't remember a time before I was listening to this movie. I, I, 
I can't even give it a try. Aaron, I'm so sorry that this is the one you had to watch. It was real bad, you guys. Well, conversely. Oh, by the way, when you said she started screaming like, oh, no, 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 no. So I texted you yesterday about me destroying our cooktop. Yes. I was able to revive it. But so yesterday morning, our little boy wasn't feeling well. So I kept him home from school and mm-hmm. um, I made him some hot chocolate because it's his favorite thing when he's feeling bad. And I thought I'd turn the burner off of like, because I made like homemade hot chocolate mm-hmm. on the stovetop. And instead I'd turn one of the other burners on. So sometime later i'm in his room playing with him and i can just smell something on fire oh no and i went oh no oh no 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 so i went running in to go fix it and he comes running after me and goes i want to see the oh no 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 (laughs) (laughs) and i was like now's not the time oh he has the best comedic timing but he does (laughs) all right so I watched Reba McIntyre's Christmas in Tune, which okay. apparently has to have the whole name. Um, but I think this movie is so good. They didn't even need the star power of her name in the title, honestly. Okay. Um, it premiered November 26th, 2021. And it was executive produced by Reba McIntyre and Melissa Joan Hart. Interesting. Okay. Yes. So it starred Candace King as Belle Winter. You know her from the Vampire Diaries and the originals. Mm-hmm. John Schneider as Joe Winter. He was in the Dukes of Hazard, Smallville, A Royal Christmas Engagement, and Sydney White. He was Amanda Bynes' dad. Okay. Justin David as Troy. He hasn't really been in much. He was in Vampire Academy, like a lot of episodes of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in an episode of snapped killer couples and one episode Ooh. of homicide hunter. So I mean, snapped is a great show, <laughs> right? Actually um, snapped is a really bad show, but <laughs> right. Still here for it. And then finally Reba McIntyre as Georgia winter, you know, her from being Reba McIntyre and, and, um, despite having a character name, I call her Reba through all of my notes. Okay. Of course. I mean, that's right. So Christmas in Tune opens with a Reba McIntyre music video singing up on the housetop. Everybody looks excited and said her Christmas special is going to be great. It cuts immediately to an interview where Reba says she's excited to wrap up her Christmas tour so she can get back to the ranch for a quiet Christmas. Okay. The interviewer asks her if she's going to spend it with anybody special this year and sad music plays while the camera pushes slowly in on Reba's never aging face. So I'm going to assume that this hits a nerve, but her publicist says it's time to go and there will be no more questions because Reba has to get to to the tonight show. But Reba sees this cute young guy in the back who has a question. So she says, Jimmy Fallon can wait. Like literally she goes, oh no, Jimmy Fallon can wait and takes this young guy's question. So I think there is like, um, I think there's a thing there between Jimmy Fallon and Lifetime. I read something about it. Like, I guess a few years ago, he got mentioned in a movie or something and he like got a really big kick out of it. And so now every once in a while they mention him. Oh, I love that. I didn't know. Yeah. 
I think that was it. There's a, there's a story behind the Jimmy Fallon thing. I remember reading about it. Well, and I just figured that like so much of this movie just feels like Reba hanging out with her friends that I yeah. felt like that was something Reba could get away with and maybe yeah. anybody else, you know? Like, well, I think it's too kind of like the um, Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. Right. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> right. So um, this young guy asked for a picture with, for a picture with her, for his mom, because they're both big fans. So she takes time out of her busy life for his selfie. And it's actually really precious. And then he asked if she's going to record a new album. And she says she's considering a Christmas album. And the press suddenly goes crazy saying she hasn't done this since the Georgia and Joe show and ask if there will be a reunion. But she deflects and says, she's sure Joe is happy doing his own thing right now. Spoiler alert, Joe is not happy doing his own thing right now. It cuts to Joe singing at a wedding and he looks just super pleased to be there. He's singing this weird Christmas wedding song. So there's that. Like the daddy daughter dance is happening and it's like a Christmas wedding song. It's like falling in love in Christmas time and Santa ho, ho, ho brought you to me or something bullshit. I'm just making it up, but like they're not dancing to Oh, Holy night. Like you said, you know, concerned about this Christmas um, song. Well, <laughs> it turns out this is not a daddy daughter dance. This is the first dance as a couple. So that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> well, got it. Now it cuts to some PR people writing a press release and I have whiplash. Okay. We find out that it's called winter compass communications. So I think this is Reba's daughter and then Reba FaceTimes in and we find out for sure it's her daughter. Mm -hmm. And Reba's like, well, why aren't you having a Christmas party today, baby? And her daughter bell says, well, I don't have any employees. It's just me. So uh, apparently mother guilt trips happen across the board, no matter how famous you are. I believe that. (laughs) So while they're talking, Joe FaceTimes Bell's computer. And so Reba's like, I'm going to go. And Joe's like, oh, is that your mom? Let me talk to her. So then Bell has to awkwardly like turn her phone to the camera of her computer so that Joe and Reba can FaceTime through FaceTime to each other. Oh, sure. Right. That's not awkward at all. And Belle's just holding the phone for them to talk. So she looks super uncomfortable. So Reba makes fun of Joe for being a wedding singer. And I kind of like this catty version of Reba. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, he says something about how the guy he's playing for is about to go off on his honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Um, And they've already said that this wedding better stick because the third time's the charm. Oh boy. So then Reba says, third honeymoon, how my, how nice. You and I didn't even get to have one. <laughs> and then Bell cuts off the conversation. It says she has to go. Yeah. Can you imagine this being your parents? You're just like, oh my God. Right. Then both Joe and Reba turn on Bell about how now that she's single, she's going to be so lonely for Christmas. So Reba tries to guilt her into coming to the ranch, but Joe says that he she should come to the city. And then she cuts them both off and says she's going to be too busy with her new job, like um, with her new clients, rather. Um, and then the like music, the underscore music plays. And that's how I know that Joe and Reba are going to get back together. They're still in love because it's of got course. the like wind chime. Yeah, obviously. So then it cuts back to that May, December wedding I was talking about. Oh, Yes. <laughs> And the groom, whose name is apparently Richard, and it seems like he was Reba and Joe's manager or agent one time. Okay. 
Um, he tells Joe that they should have never broken up. And Joe looks like he agrees, but then the scene cuts to Reba having drinks with her music director who tells her, his name is Duke. Um, and Duke sure. tells her that she looks like she's been talking or talking to or thinking about Joe. And um, he says, you know, y'all had some real chemistry. And she said, yeah, like gasoline in a match. You get a fire, but not the good kind. <laughs> okay. Um, so they laugh and they have a drink. Now we're back with Belle, who is apparently organizing a winter ball for the entire question mark u.s army and it sounds unsafe for the nation for the entire army to be at a ball but what do i know so now we have a super spreader event in one (laughs) right and and uh uh magic over science in another (laughs) lifetime i have so many questions well and the best part is is this super fancy ball for the u.s army is happening in what looks like just a really nice high school auditorium of course it is. <laughs> Where else would you hold a, a, a ball for the entire U.S. Army? <laughs> so Troy, one of Belle's former classmates, comes in and flirts with her. And that's actually real chemistry. Um, but now there's a hitch, apparently. The general oh, no. won't allow the snowball to happen unless Reba and Joe come to sing at it. And Troy bats some eyelashes and Belle goes weak at the knees and she agrees to talk to her parents. So Belle pulls up to Reba's big ranch house and Reba rides up on a horse as it should be. And Reba, first of all, Reba clearly rides horses. Like she is so comfortable because you can tell when an actress or an actor is not comfortable with a horse. But I would not be surprised if this is like Reba's horse that she just brought with her for shooting, you know? Right. She's like, and this is honey bud. Right. I'm going to ride her today. (laughs) Reba tells Belle to meet her in the barn at the new recording studio, which is where apparently all serious and important conversations happen. Sure. And so when Reba meets her there, she says, so what is it? You've got your Belle face on. And Belle is like, I need something. And it's kind of hard to ask. And Reba says, what is it? Do you need money? Did your upstart stop? And I laughed because Belle is like, mom, it's a startup. And no, it's fine. <laughs> um, also, I'm just a little bit concerned that her mom calls it her bell face when her name is just bell right so so is that just her face it's like a running gag through this because when reba got off the phone with joe duke was like "Uh uh-oh you've got your joe face on and the old man said "Uh uh-oh you've got your reba face or your georgia face on so like it's a thing to have a face but like well, it is a the thing bell to have face a face. Is, <laughs> the bell face is a little, a little attacky. You're right. Okay, I'm just curious. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, when she said, did your upstart stop? Like I laughed. Reba has always had really phenomenal comedic timing. I uh, loved her show. Oh yeah. It was so funny. So Belle is like, so I was thinking, what if we spend Christmas Eve together here in Nashville? And Reba's like, okay, go on. And Belle's like, how about a concert at Belmont? And Reba says, that sounds nice. Who's playing? And Belle goes, well, you are. (laughs) Reba goes, do tell. And Belle says, you and dad. And Reba goes, okay, stop telling. (laughs) 
That's about right. Mm-hmm. And Reba says, no, thank you. Not interested. And Belle's like, well, I guess I'll just have to tell all of America that Reba's unpatriotic and refuses to sing for some soldiers for Christmas because she's still petty and upset over a divorce. How on earth would you ever say no to the troops? <laughs> right. They're like, we want you to play a concert for the entire U.S. Army. And I'd be like, I can't sing, but okay. I am. <laughs> I support the Obligated, troops. Right. <laughs> like, I have to. <laughs> So Belle explains that it's a live streamed event to raise money for the troops. And I'm like, okay, so maybe it's not quite such a super spreader event if we're live streaming it. And then I'm like, but what not to judge, but like, why, why are the, the army need to raise money? money? Because also, why are the troops raising money for themselves? Right. And so Reba right. says she'll only do it to save Belle's career and to help the troops, and not because she wants to see her ex-husband ever, ever, ever again obviously and then she tells her artistic director that it's not like joe's going to say yes because he's stubborn as a mule and that way it's joe who breaks bell's heart and not not reba but duke says let me go call my wife and tell her i'm booked through christmas eve now because you're going to need a rehearsal pianist (laughs) so bell shows up at joe's club he's got like a microbrewery place it's in fact called Joe's Microbrewery, but I can't say that word. So we're calling wow. it the club for the rest of that forever. Was, <laughs> that was a big stretch of the imagination with that <laughs> right? one. And she tells him that she needs help with the snowball. And she's like, do you know what that is? And he goes, oh yeah, it's the fundraiser to help raise money for the children of fallen soldiers. And I'm finally glad we're like 25 minutes into this movie to finally understand what this shindig is. So it's not the U.S. (laughs) Army raising money for themselves. Got it. Um, And he says he's willing to do anything she needs to help. And she's like, anything? And so with a little bit of a pouty lip and a please daddy, Joe's in. Okay. And so Reba's phone I rings. mean, when Reba's saying, oh, he's not going to do it. I'm like, right. Men are suckers. She's going to be able to get him to do it really easily. Right. <laughs> Reba's phone rings. It's Belle and Reba plays it cool on the phone. And then she hangs up and looks like she wants to vomit. Okay. But on a scale <laughs> of one, two, uh, that scene in the parent trap when um, that lady's about to see her ex-husband for the first time in 10 years <laughs> has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and rollers in her hair. Where was Reba on the scale? Uh, she's she's only about two drinks into this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I. So in fact, Sarah and I got to about this point of the movie and Dr. Sarah was like, is this just the Christmas, the lifetime Christmas version of parent trap? And I was like, yes, yes, yes. it is. Mm-hmm. Um. So it cuts to rehearsal. Joe's 10 minutes late to rehearsal and Reba's angry. And then um, she can't, she can't help how into Joe she is when he finally walks into the room and Belle interrupts the reunion with Troy and Reba pulls her aside and like, who is that good looking soldier? Are y'all dating? And Belle's like, mom, no. And Reba says, well, why the heck not? (laughs) So um, Reba makes sure that every time she talks to somebody that she makes sure she gets top billing over Joe. Like it's not Joe and Georgia. It's always Georgia and Joe as far as she's concerned. Okay. And then Joe and Reba start to bicker 
And the poor pianist has to run interference because they fight over like who stands where on stage, like who's on the left side of stage and who's on the right side of the stage and who sings the first line of a song and all this. And I wrote, these two need a middle school teacher to put them in their place. Yeah, sounds like it. So um, then it cuts to Troy and Belle sitting in reba's house working on stuff for the snowball and troy can't stop staring at bell he in fact says like so beautiful under his breath and she's like what and he's like your mom's house it's so beautiful it's just it's like christmas threw up in here oh my god (laughs) like that's crazy right um And then he asked her what it was like to grow up with famous parents. And we get that wonderful moment where their hearts connect and they're adorable. And she talks about living out of a suitcase because she was always on tour with her parents and she never minded it because her parents were so in love. And then he asked her what it's like to have a song named after you because her, um, her name, like, they wrote a song called Christmas Bell and she explains that her birthday is just three days before Christmas ah. and that they wrote this song about her and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but then this gets interrupted because um, Joe is hangry and he raids the kitchen to cook for everybody. But as they're eating, Reba and Joe are fighting over like stupid things, like the address of their first house. Okay. And then, um, when everybody leaves the room, Reba was like, okay, we have to be more mature for Belle. And um, Joe was like, yeah, we, I don't want her to get fired. And she was like, Joe, she works for herself. <laughs> so at a photo shoot, we find out that on Reba and Joe's honeymoon night, because she makes another crack about not having a honeymoon, that Joe booked a gig on their honeymoon. And so Reba makes another jab about that. And then Joe admits that what happened is this man offered this one gig to them in Trenton, New Jersey, but that like 10 gigs resulted out of it, that that's how they got their first gig at Atlantic City. And then that's what spun out the start of their career. Okay. Um, I think I might've... Oh no, it's coming up. Okay. So they struggle in their photo shoot because like all their chemistry is gone. But the general shows up and breaks the tension and things go better after that. And while the photo shoot is happening, Troy and Belle start talking about the divorce between Joe and Georgia. And Belle admits that they're actually not divorced. They're just separated. That they had lawyers drop the papers and then neither one can bring themselves to sign it. Okay. So then she goes on to explain that their entire career had been built on Joe as the songwriter and Reba as the like lead singer of their duo. Mm -hmm. But when Joe stopped being able to write, the label asked them to record other people's songs. Joe refused, but Reba agreed to record a solo album. And so Joe thought that he'd been replaced and he got his poor little man feelings hurt. Oh, sure. Yeah. So then joe wrote a song about their problems called christmas heartbreak or something like that um and uh i don't remember exactly what the exchange was but um troy is like oh i I remember that song it's so sad and bell goes it was a hit for dolly so (laughs) (laughs) um so then um, 
Bell goes on to explain that after this song, they kind of stopped working together and um, Joe started writing music for other people and Reba recorded this solo album. And at the Grammys that year, Joe was up for song of the year. And when he Mm -hmm. got it, he didn't thank Reba in his acceptance speech. (sighs) And he later said that he just forgot Um, but you don't just forget something like that. And so when Reba got up to accept her album of the year um, or artist of the year, I don't remember which one it was, that she intentionally didn't thank Joe. And so he moved out that night and that they'd been separated for 15 years since then. I I don't want to tell them how to live their lives, but it seems like if you are famous and have millions and millions of dollars at stake, you might want to go ahead and get that divorce. Right. Instead of just stay separated for 15 years. Right. So then it cuts to Joe and Reba doing an interview where he springs on Reba that he's writing a new song for them to premiere at this event. And then they have this petty fight on screen and it's uncomfortable. And like the the interviewer is turns to the camera and is like, cut the feed. Uh Um, So... Belle and Troy show up for a new day's rehearsal and Reba and Joe are bickering again. And Belle starts to cry because her parents were like dancing, but then they're fighting over how they were supposed to dance. And they tell her that they're just going to cut the dance number because them being reunited on stage is going to be big enough. They don't need a dance number. And Belle cries and says that watching her parents dance growing up was her favorite thing because they were such beautiful dancers and they were so in love. And so Troy saves it by offering to dance with Belle. And because she was like, I used to know all their steps. And he was like, prove it. And she goes, "Um, well, I don't remember them now. And he goes, well, I do. I watched all their videos last night. And then he makes her dance with him. It's super cute. That is Um, cute. So... Then Reba catches them dancing and it's uncomfortable for everybody. Sure. So then we get a montage of rehearsal, mixing music, and then everybody's getting along briefly. Everybody's tired and Joe suggests that everybody go for pizza and beer at his microbrewery. Uh-huh. Um, so they're watching this couple perform and reminiscing over beer and the sweet music plays like the underscore that says they're falling in love. Oh, sure. And then Duke, the music director, tells them that they need to go see if they still have chemistry live. So he makes them go sing on stage at Joe's bar. And then we get a full performance mid-movie from Reba that's a cover of a Barbara Streisand song. So like, okay. I'll take it. Um, and it's like a Reba just, concert that made it to a movie. Yeah. I mean, she's just incredible. Also, I have tickets yes, to see her in February, so I'm really pumped. Like, I, I love am jealous. Reba. I love Reba. Um, um, they actually do sound really amazing together. Like, the two actors really mm-hmm. sound very good together. Um, after they sing, it's magical, and Joe and Reba have a heart-to-heart, and they start, like, writing this song together, and she says things like, I've always loved to watch you write, and then they share a moment about Peter Pan, because that was Belle's favorite book when she was little, and Aww. so, like, his signature beer at his bar is called um, Peter something after Peter Pan. Oh, um, that's cute. And then she quotes that very famous line from Peter Pan that's um, never say goodbye because 
saying goodbye is leaving and leaving is forgetting. Okay, yeah. Um, so um, this whole thing is really sweet and I kind of teared up and then I wrote, I'm tired, okay? But also I really can't believe that this is a real relationship that's repairing itself. Yeah. Um, so they go shopping for the toys to give the kids who are invited to the snowball and Reba and Joe have the best time. And then Joe, then Reba has this really heartfelt apology to Joe for hurting him. She's, she says like, I really never intended to hurt you the way that I did. Mm-hmm. And he kind of shrugs it off like a dude apology. Okay. Um, and then they break the romantic tension by seeing a magic eight ball and said that that's how Belle used to make all of her major life decisions. And so. Um, so Reba picks up the ball and asks if Troy and Belle are going to fall in love. And it's like, without a doubt. And then, um, when Reba walks away, Joe quietly asks the magic eight ball, is Reba falling back in love with me? And then it says like, don't count on it. So he rolls his eyes. (laughs) So Reba and Joe then go shopping for Christmas trees and they keep writing a new Christmas song together. And Joe says that he misses this and more importantly, he misses her. And Reba says she knows she gets it. She said she didn't just lose her singing partner when they split up, but she lost her best friend. Okay. And then Joe goes to make like a very clear, maybe down on one knee proposal move, but we're only an hour in, so that's not happening. Mm -hmm. um so reba runs off and says i found the perfect tree so it cuts to Belle asleep on her couch when and she's like got her face pressed on her ipad so she's like out clearly she was working and passed out you know um when reba and joe knock on her door and that was me playing with the light that was not the light going out oh god (laughs) y'all we just had the worst kind of technical difficulties um the uh so joe and reba knock on her door and they deliver a christmas tree and a birthday cake and balloons and troy delivers himself looking dapper in his uniform because today is that bell's birthday just a few days before christmas situation okay and we have a montage of like hanging ornaments of course but before we do reba pulls out her phone and angles it toward the camera where she has one single app and it is Spotify and she hovers her finger over it and she presses it and it opens immediately to like a holiday playlist. Oh, sure. Funniest- like Spotify does. <laughs> right. It's the funniest product placement I've ever seen. Wow. Uh, that is crazy. Oh my gosh. I'm telling you, the out of place Great Lash Mascara app was ad uh, was That's pretty divine. great. It was that pretty great. Yeah. Um so um they get to the end of decorating and all that's left is the angel on top of the tree. And Belle like pouty faces her dad to get her to get him to lift her up to put the angel on the tree. And he's like I'm old now. You were five the last time I did this. So then Troy brings a stepladder over and he's like, may I? And he holds up his hand and guides her up the stepladder, all two steps of it. Oh, yes. Watch those steps. 
right so then reba and joe are in the kitchen like making dinner for everybody and troy um troy gives bell a compass mm-hmm. um so she explained earlier when she was talking about touring with her parents all the time that all she ever wanted for christmas was a compass so that she didn't feel lost anymore because she never knew where she was going and it's like girl i think what you're looking for is google maps that's what you're yeah. pretty sure you just needed ways <laughs> right um so he gives her this compass and he says um it's so that you never feel lost again and then Aww. he ex- right he explains that he used to or he used that when he got lost in alaska once and then it guided him home and bell was like well are you sure you don't need it anymore and he says i know where you are and that's all that matters now what if you're somewhere else and you don't know where she Oh, he's got the location turned on her phone now. Oh, so sure. You have the compass and I will track your location on my phone. Well, like 360. The, that's yeah. exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> so um, then they all go caroling together and Joe tells Belle that he loves Troy and thinks that he'll take good care of her. And then it zooms in on Reba and Joe holding hands while they carol. Oh. So they're all over at Reba's house and a blizzard blows in and it looks like they're not going anywhere for a while. So Troy and Belle have this sweet flirty moment in another room while Reba and Joe say they need to talk about how they held hands and fell back in love last night. But before they can talk, the power goes out because blizzard. Uh, Obviously. Um, But luckily Reba has 300,000 battery powered candles in her house, you know, just casual. So they have plenty of light. Great. Um, hey, so- Reba. Well, you know what? I shouldn't ask Reba. That, that was stupid. I should never ask Reba why. Right. Another one of those things that I think she probably just brought with her. Like this was not in the script. And she was like, what am I going to do with these cases of flicker lights? <laughs> um, so... Belle and Reba are lighting them up and Belle tells Reba that she thinks she's falling in love with Troy. Like we haven't been watching this whole thing happen. Right. Like the script writers needed to tell the audience. And then Reba talks about how she and Joe fell in love at Christmas time too. And how it's so romantic. And it's like, maybe this isn't the best comparison to draw since, you know, you and you're divorced or not, (laughs) not, not, not divorced not married but not divorced right yeah okay um, but mom they're snowed in and then bell is like real excited to be snowed in at her mom's house with her separated parents and also her not boyfriend boyfriend that sounds like a nightmare right so reba can't sleep because joe's downstairs playing guitar and like i'd be pissed off but yeah she comes downstairs and he's writing music and he's like, sorry if I woke you up. And she said, don't apologize for being yourself. This is how you always been. Um, and so they finished writing their sweet song together and it's called I Needed Christmas. And this is going to be their new song, but they have to finish it and learn it before tomorrow. But first they have to sing their Christmas bell song that they referenced early on in the movie because sure. they love their daughter more than they love themselves. Okay. Um, and bell has to come downstairs and listen to it and smile because that's a requirement. Yeah. And then um, let's see, sorry. 
had to fight with my mic. Um, so then Joe asks Reba what happens next. Like when the benefit is over, what happens with them? And Reba says, Joe, we know what happens. We don't need to break each other's hearts again. And she gets up and leaves and Joe whispers, it's too late for that. You just did. What is with the whispering in these movies this I year? I wondered that too. <laughs> so I don't know. the snowball is on and people are trickling into this fancy high school auditorium and Troy and Bell have this sweet phone call, but he says, I miss you. And it's like, y'all were just snowed in at her parents' house less than 12 hours before. Like, I understand like new love. I was there once, but come on. Yeah, that is some new love shit where it's like, you just met and you're like, oh my God, I've never spent this much time without you since before I met you. We've only been apart for two hours, but like my heart is yearning. Right. And like, but they celebrated Belle's 33rd birthday. So like, she's my age and I've now been married a long time. So I'm old and cynical about love, but like, I can't imagine being 33 and being like, I miss you. You've been gone for so long. And it's like, I'm literally just getting eggs and a gallon of milk from the corner store. <laughs> I'm at the bodega. <laughs> so um, I'm at the have and go. <laughs> so there's a gas station by where we used to live called the first and last stop, which sounds really ominous. Sounds really ominous. <laughs> um so bell says she can't talk anymore because she's backstage with reba Mm -hmm. and reba's in the most amazing emerald green dress and i have to say she looks really good in emerald green um the the red hair uh uh-huh have you ever seen her if i were a boy cover she's got a music video for that and she's in this emerald green dress it's gorgeous and the the cover's so sad like where beyonce's is a lot more like anger and kind of empowered Mm -hmm. reba's is so sad um so anyway so bell confronts reba about running away from joe and she says i think you're still in love with him and then tells her off for having a bad attitude and reba says of course i love him but i don't need him and bell says well i don't believe that but that's good (laughs) you shouldn't need someone so then like if i ever dating it it's like i'm gonna be dating you because i want to definitely not because i need you right yeah so then it cuts to Joe and Joe admits to Duke that he never expected to fall back in love with Reba. And Duke's like, Oh, everyone knew that was going to happen. Every one of us, like, yeah. like they could see it from the space. Like, station. We actually had a pool going. Um, right. Who had today? Who had today? <laughs> so um, then he pulls like a necklace out of his shirt and shows that he's been wearing his wedding ring on this necklace since the minute they split up that he's never gotten over Reba. And Duke says, then you need to tell Reba that And Joe says, but I just can't. And then, um, then it cuts back to Reba and Reba says, um, I'm just ready to get this whole thing over with. We're going to sing these songs for you. This was all about you keeping your job and being successful in your career. And Why is it about done, her keeping her job when she works for herself? So that she can keep working for the U.S. Army. Because apparently if Joe and Reba don't sing, she can't ever work for the Army again. I mean, I've heard that the U.S. Army really goes after those startup PR companies. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) So 
Then Reba says, when this is all over, we'll both be ready to sign those divorce papers. And while Reba is giving this attitude, her new wig doesn't move at all. And that's all. I just needed to say that. Like, like it is so hairsprayed that she could be, she could be in the jet stream and it would not be touched. She's fucking Reba. (laughs) Right. Also throughout this movie. The wind doesn't deign to touch her. (laughs) Also throughout this movie, there are Photoshopped pictures of Joe and Reba and Belle together or like Uh album covers of Joe and Reba, but it's all like old promotional images of Reba from like the eighties, but they split up 15 years ago. So like at one point it's like, this was the last Christmas we spent together. And it's like Belle looking like she's probably 20 like and and it's joe like looking like they took the picture yesterday before they started filming and then it's reba with the big curly like fancy hair (laughs) and and, like her part of the photoshop job is not the same quality as the rest of the photo But it's like you can't do Reba dirty like that. <laughs> She's a single mom who works two jobs. She loves her kids and never stops. Single hands in the heart hands. of a fighter. She's, She's a fucking survivor. survivor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Belle goes running backstage crying and Troy stops her and asks her what's wrong. And she says that she just wished that her parents would have fallen in love. And she knows that's stupid. And she wished she hadn't even taken this job anymore because all she wanted was her parents to be in love. And he was like, well, I'm glad you took this job because it brought us back together. And I know it's not the best time to tell you this because like you're crying and all, but like, and then he says, (laughs) so they kiss and then he goes, I've finally fallen in love for the first time at Christmas time with you. And I'm like, how many stipulations are you going to put on this? Also, okay. Ever since you pointed it out, it's glaringly obvious now when it wasn't before. So all through this movie, I was like, oh, she must be in like her mid twenties. This girl is in her thirties. She's crying to a man about how she wanted her parents to get back together right and they split up when she was in college so she was like a grown adult when the divorce happened it's not like i mean i know it's still rough when people's parents split up but it's not like she was 12 going through the roughest years of her life girl you need (laughs) to get it together so um Let's see. So they kiss in front of the Christmas tree and there's like one satisfying relationship at least. Then it cuts back to Reba putting on her stage jewelry and she puts, she pulls her wedding ring out of the jewelry box and she puts it on for a second. And then she quotes that Peter Pan quote again, never say goodbye because goodbye means going away and going away means forgetting. And then melancholy music plays while Joe and Reba get ready to go on stage and the audience goes wild as they walk out. And they start singing and I'm still just so glad that it's Reba because I've listened to the various Hallmark singing movies and well, (laughs) not good. Yeah. So clips through the concert leading up to their new song play. Um, 
Reba singing into a red rhinestone encrusted microphone that matches the dress that she's changed into now. Okay. And like, she's such a classy diva. And I can't tell you how much I love this so movie. We get costume changes and a concert. She changes three times throughout the course of this concert that they put and on. Like that's some share shit. <laughs> I got ice wine. <laughs> and magic. Um, so while they're singing their new song, I needed Christmas, Joe cuts the song off mid stage, like mid concert. And on stage, he publicly apologizes for breaking Reba's heart. In the middle of a song. <laughs> right. They're like, I needed Christmas to find my way back to you. Stop, stop, stop. I can't do this. <laughs> I have to say this right now. So he says, quote, and I took this direct quote, I fell in love with you the first moment I heard that gorgeous voice of yours. You make everyone better. You make me want to be so much better. And I'm never going to say goodbye again. And it's like, I don't know that you actually have control of that. Because if she says, like, get lost. Yeah. This has been fun, but I have to leave. So then he pulls the wedding ring out of his shirt to show her that he still loves her. And he gets on one knee and he says, Reba, will you please, please stay married to me? And then she says, you beat me to it. And she holds up her wedding ring that she's been wearing on the hand that like the camera hasn't shown. Uh-huh. Um, and she says, please stay married to me too. And then they kiss on stage and they finish their song. And I'm not crying. You're crying. Merry Christmas. I'm not crying. <laughs> I was. Like, it was so good. Oh, that's so cute. I'm so glad you liked it. I hope you enjoy your ice wine and your cold, dead heart. I will. Well, first of all, I won't be drinking ice wine. Um, but my cold, dead heart is fine. Thank you. <laughs> Goodness. Well, we this did it. Good. Our third annual Lifetime Christmas movie recap. Christmas extravaganza. I think if I had to go with the three movies I've watched thus far for this show. Oh, yeah. For this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's my favorite. And then okay. the Christmas a la mode. Uh-huh. And then clearly the one that made such an impact last year that I don't even remember the title. <laughs> to be fair i don't remember the title of the one that i watched last year but i remember it had fran drescher so that one's my favorite wasn't it the christmas the christmas house? setup the christmas setup. setup thank you um that was the one i watched last year that's my favorite the one i did the year before was the Jana kramer no it was the it was the um oh balls the one with uh april kepner from Grey's anatomy uh-huh, she was right. the wedding planner i like that one second and then this one was <laughs> i'd rather okay i'm gonna go out on a limb here i would rather watch if we only had christmas than this oh again. my god oh my god that is saying a lot Okay. Yikes. That's a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> that is somehow saying a lot and not very much all at once. <laughs> wow. Oh, that movie was bad too. 
Well, tell me what you've been reading lately. Um, well, I'm actually just about to finish Brene Brown's new book, Atlas of the Heart. Okay. Um, I love me some Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. And then what else am I reading? Um, I, I got a few arcs that I need to um, get on. And um, but let's see, let me make you see what we got. Um, I finished Jodi Picoult. Did I tell you that? I can't remember. Um, I think so. And then I read a couple of poetry books. Um, so yeah, I have a bunch of stuff going on. Um, oh, I read a really great audiobook. Crap. Um, that's not it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. No one tells you this. It's about, um, it's a memoir, but it's about a woman who turns 40. She's single. She doesn't have kids. And it's all about like finding a new you know, when you're not society's definition of successful, finding like right. a new path. So okay. I really like that. It was really good. Sounds good. Yeah. What about you? What are you reading? Um, so I'm in the middle of The Lincoln Highway by Amor Tolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that is one of the books that was suggested to me on what should I read next? But um, I also- I've heard that's a really good one. I've so I love Amor Tolls. I think that he's an incredible author. He plays with time in the best way. And that's one of my favorite things is seeing how he's gonna do time this this time. So like um in his first book, the entire story ex- excluding the prologue and epilogue um take place in one calendar year. Mm-hmm. And in his second book, the timeline, every time we get a shift in time, it's doubled by like it's doubled from the time before so like we see the day of and then you see like two weeks later and then four weeks later and then eight weeks later and then 16 weeks later and then it doubles until we see like two years later four years later eight years later okay and -hmm. I think that is an interesting way to do it so I love the way that he plays with timelines which is a funny like technical thing to notice yeah I mean I don't think so but um and then on audiobook, I'm listening to Circling the Sun mm-hmm. by, um, hold on, I'm going to tell you because you, I introduced you to this author and I think you'll like Circling the Sun as well, but I can't think of the author's name off the top of my head. Um, Paula McLean. Ah, oh, yes. I actually just lent that book that you convinced me to buy that I love so much. Someone. Oh, good. So. Um, so Circling the Sun is about a female pilot a la Amelia Earhart. Mm-hmm. Um, she, this woman grows up in Africa. Um, her parents were British mm-hmm. and her dad by some farm. They're kind of, um, I mean, not kind of, they are, um, oh God, what is the word? You you know this word. Um, the white people who go out and settle the settle all the land white saviors colonizers colonizers they're a little bit colonizers um Mm -hmm. but they're not really trying to convince other people to colonize with them they have just now moved into the wilds of africa to start this farmland um but her mom doesn't want to live in this savage area so she moves back and leaves her to grow up 
mm-hmm. kind of wild running free okay. and she's taken in by one of the local tribes and is raised like one of the children basically um she talks about how the african tribe there um feels so brokenhearted for her because a mom would never desert her child in this tribe and so they give her a new life but mm-hmm. um the dad notices how kind of wild she's being so she brings in like basically a governess for her um and so she's having to fight this wild spirit that she envisions for herself with the prim and proper that her dad is trying to make for her all the while we get flashes of the future she is flying an airplane in like one of the first unmanned flight like uh first solo flights around the globe or something you know interesting yeah it's really great that's awesome i am also um so i have the new <clears throat> excuse me i have the new greer hendrix um from, that's coming out in february so reading that or i'm gonna start reading that i just got it uh greer hendrix and sarah um Pe- Pekinen, um they wrote like um the wife between us Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, um, I also, my audiobook comes up tomorrow, I think, and I'm going to get lucky, which is the new pick from Reese Witherspoon's book club. Um, it's about a con artist who pulls like one last con, um, and she's going to retire and then something goes wrong. And I can't remember what happens, but she ends up having to pull one more. Of course, the stakes are really high and, um, it's like in order to be able to get out of the business. Huh. That sounds really good. That's yeah. called lucky. Yes. I'm going to have to look that one up. Uh, anything Reese Witherspoon chooses. I am always on board with. Oh yeah. Love her. Um, and man, she's churning and burning right now. She's 100%. Great stuff coming out. So I'm excited. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for hanging out with us. Yes. Um, we hope that you enjoy and survive your holiday season yes. and what, whatever you are doing during this holiday season, be it any kind of celebrations or not, mm-hmm. um, survive, take care of yourself first. Mm-hmm. You are obligated to nobody but yourself. Yeah. True facts. Um, because holidays are the time for family to make you feel like you're obligated to them. And uh-huh. I need a reminder that you are only obligated to yourself. No is a complete sentence and boundaries exist even during the holidays. 100%. <laughs> and I right. say that as much to myself as I do to any of you. <laughs> well, give us a follow on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence mm-hmm. and on Twitter at Life Sentence Pod. Please. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Uh-huh. You can find our website at lifetime mm-hmm. Shoot us an email at podcast at lifetime um, And for more content, I just gave a um, quick view of gift giving um, legendary figures around the world on our yes. patreon you can find that at patreon.com slash lifetime sentence yes and we will be back next week with something else back Absolutely. on our murder shit yep <laughs> and until next time don't forget to eat your vegetables charge your phone bye bye